Crack Audio. You're listening to Crack Magazine from Top Boy Live, a day of talks and workshops supporting the next generation of British talent in film, TV, music, and beyond. I'm Kazaiwan and Kenyan, Crack's podcast host. To celebrate our issue 129 cover story and the new season two of the show on Netflix, we recorded some highlights from the day. In this panel conversation, hosted by Craig McLean, we hear from Top Boy's Top Table. The show's creator, Ronan Bennett. And out of the experiences that they shared with me, I felt I was in a position to start work on this. Producer, Alistair Flynn's. It was about keeping our roots in authenticity and the original ideals. And the top boy himself, the show's star and executive producer, Ashley Walters. This season as a whole is a bigger and better season. Just thinking we ain't the same, actually. Now, we're going to be extra mindful of uh, not giving away any spoilers today. Nonetheless, Ash, what can you tell us about where we find your character at the start of this new series? He's on top. (laughs) You know, that's the the Shane's journey is like, hence the title. Always trying to find his way back to the peak or the top. But I think you kind of realise there is no real top. Anyway, you know, it's always, once you get somewhere, you always want to get somewhere else. That's life. But I think kind of mentally where he is, where his headspace is, is that, you know, he's thinking about what happens after this. Is there a out? You know, what happens? Is there family? Is Do, do I settle down? Do I do this? Do I do that? Um, and I think over the course of the, you see him grow in that sense. You see him faced with some situations that are definitely out of his control um, and he's used to being in control. But all in all, I think like this season like in, as, as a whole and in general is a bigger and better season. I know it's obvious for me to say that, but it really is. Um, you, you guys are in for a treat. I've watched the first episode, and I won't give any spoilers, but he he does not lie. It is a bigger canvas, there are multiple new storylines coming through, and it is, again, a brilliant entree into a new phase for the characters in Top Boy. This panel is about the the vision and the journey and the making of the show. In that regard, Ronan, can I drag you back hundreds of years to the beginning of this story? Why did you choose to create this story and what was important to you about telling this story so I, I suppose there's um you know when you get an idea for for a book or a film or a, or a show there are long-term things that you're interested in and then there's usually some something that happens something that you see that brings everything together so for me the long-term thing honestly is that <laughs> listen I'm I'm a white Irishman, and you know, people sometimes say to me, what's a white Irishman doing writing a show like this? But I came from a community in Belfast in the north of Ireland that was demonized. It was the Irish Catholic nationalist community, and it was demonized, and it was discriminated against. So when I came to this country, and I saw the situation that black people were in, I went, wait a minute, I understand a bit of what's going on here. 
So I always had that awareness and interest. And that's the sort of long-term thing that I talk about. And then one day, I live in Hackney, and one day I went round to the, uh, the local supermarket, and outside the supermarket I saw a kid, might have been 10, might have been 12, behaving strangely, and what he was doing was he was dealing drugs. And um, I'd never seen that before. I mean, obviously, it, it went on all around me, but I'd just never noticed it before. I just didn't have an eye cultivated for that kind of thing. So I watched him for a little bit. I saw him do, uh, do I, I think, two deals. And I went over to him. He thought I was a policeman. I told him I wasn't. I just wanted to talk to him. He asked me for money to talk to him, which, you know, entrepreneurial. But it, it, it set me or it set my mind working like you know what's going wrong what's going on in this community that i live in that i haven't noticed this before why is he doing that what, you know what's it all about i then talked to a close friend of mine from a jamaican background who knew that world very well although he was never involved in it but he he, he worked with youth and so on and he made some introductions people talked to me and out of the experiences that they shared with me, I felt I was in a position to start work on this. And so for me, that was the origin of it. And then once you do that, then it becomes like any other film or drama. You've got to find your characters, you've got to find your stories. I always, I like to start with the, the characters. And then I, the question I always ask myself is, what do these characters want? Whatever the film or, 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 or series is, I said, what do these characters want? For Duchesne and Sully, it was, as, as Ashley says, there is no top. Because you get to a level and another level and you realize there's still more levels to go. But they wanted to be top boys. And that, that was where it started. Thank you. Alistair, you've been uh, Ronan's creative partner along this journey. How have you seen the series and, and the concept of Top Boy evolve? I mean, we, myself and Charles still, my pilot car, we, we've been trying to find a film to do with Ronan, I think, originally. And uh, we, we were struggling. Um, and he then mentioned a project he had, which was the genesis of Top Boy. And we both just said, that sounds fantastic. And it grew from that. And I think we came from a film background, me and Charles. and. Um, the first two series we did, I think we pretty much treated like feature films and cut them in four. And then we moved on to Netflix. The story and the scale of the series had to expand and we had to become more episodic but keep our roots in sort of filmmaking mentality. And I think what's always carried it through is Ronan's ability to, to write about what's happening politically on the, in the day at the time and I think we've moved with that. Um, and the other thing that's been a constant are classical tropes. I mean, I think it's really always been about family, the show. I mean, in different, different forms. And I think that family aspect has just expanded as the journey's gone on. Actually, what did you see in the scripts and in the character, not just of your character, but in the other characters that you're, you would be acting with? What was it that spoke to you about this project and made you feel that, yes, I, I can commit to this and I can go deep with this? It was the writing, not to, you know, 
blow smoke up Ronan's ass, but it was the writing. It was the um, I'd I'd done a movie called Bullet Boy not too long before I got involved with Top Boy, and after I did that movie, I was just constantly sent films about the hood, like you know, just kids shouting, doing this, doing that, or whatever, and just none of them, none of them spoke to me. Um, and when I read this on the page, when I read what I read from Ronan, it was the first time I kind of saw that life represented authentically. Do you know what I mean? Real. And that was just on the page. So if you can feel that way on the page before you've even seen anything visually, it's like, you know, it's working. Um, it always starts with a script. So yeah, it was that. It was that, it was, you know, it was growing up watching Scarface, watching whether it be Godfather, watching, you know, Sopranos and things like that, The Wire and whatever, and seeing some really intelligent criminals and the family dynamic that goes behind it and what their lives are really like and them humanised, you know what I mean? Uh, we just didn't have that over here. It was really kind of 2D, the characters that were being put, you know, we saw on the screen. So I think when Top Boy came around, changed the game for me. You know, I saw... I love the fact that Deshane as a character just wasn't gun-ho, was always thinking about what his next move was going to be. He was always strategic. You know, he's playing chess with it. And for me, that was more interesting than anything I'd seen before. One of the themes in the, certainly the opening episode is the, the internationalization, shall we say, of Deshane's business with what's going on in overseas. What kind of uh, research or preparation did you want to or need to do to build out that aspect of the character's journey for this series? I mean, the good thing about this show is that Ronan knows everything. So <laughs> everything starts with Ronan and he's kind of, whether he's, you know, knows about it, knows about it or not, his research is extensive and we always have conversations about where the stories came from and, you know, what sparked his interest in things or whatever. So you're always on that journey anyway. And then, look, I come from, I grew up in Peckham. Like, I cannot lie, there's people around me that live this life that I still know, you know, I still talk to. So I'm not that far removed from it that I can't call on people around me to, for advice. And that's what Kane and I do, and I'm sure a lot of the other actors do a lot. Because look, if it doesn't, my aim is always to make those people happy, if I'm honest with you. I love all the people that support and love the show, but there are people actually living this life out there. And if they come up to me and say, that was sick, then we know we've kind of done our job because we've represented them right, if you get what I'm saying. And I think it trickles down from there another theme Ronan is the uh, the looming shadow of the developers wrecking ball uh, I've lived in Hackney since 1999 I've seen a lot of changes in that time how ruinous has been development quote unquote and gentrification to the, that our borough and the lives of the people depicted in Top Boy well you know, gentrification is a, is a very difficult issue because there are people who benefit from it. But for, for every flash restaurant and coffee shop, a family has been moved out. And, and it's really about where do the poor people go? And that's what I wanted to address in, in the show. 
If I can link that into your earlier question to Ashley about the internationalization of the show and, and you know going to Spain and Morocco and so on, it all comes from a desire. I mean, research, obviously, you research it, but it all comes from a desire for authenticity. That is key. That word authenticity is absolutely key in Top Boy. It goes right through it. Everything from casting. When we look at the casting tapes that our fantastic director of casting just over there, Des Hamilton, when he senses them, we, the question we ask ourselves, I think I'm right, Andy, uh, Ali, is does that person look like they belong in Top Boy? And it's about authenticity, which is also another, you know, the, the research part of it, honestly, is the easy part. You just, you're talking to people. You just make an effort and you talk to people. I'm always surprised when I see a show or a movie and you, you, you think, they're just making this up, it's not real. Because that's the easy part. That also links into what we're doing here today. Because when we, Ali can talk more about this in, in more detail than I can, but when we first started looking to crew up for season one, Netflix season one, even going back before that to the Channel 4 seasons, we were looking for diverse crew, directors, and so on. There were some around, some really good ones around, but there weren't many. And so this scheme was, was started. Ali, I'm sure, can talk more about the the mentee scheme, about bring, finding people from the community that we're representing and bringing them into the process, letting them know that there is a way for them to participate in something that probably most of them never thought they could participate in. They weren't from the right background. Uh, those doors weren't open for them. That horizon wasn't there. So that all of this, the, the gentrification and the issues and the, the authenticity, it all links in to where we are, what we're doing here right now. I'll come back to Top Boy Live towards the end, but on that question of authenticity, Ali, filming the show, obviously you film not very far from here, you film in the, in the parts of London in which the show is based. Can you tell us about how you find the locations and also how you managed filming a street drama in a time of COVID when the streets were occasionally shut off to us or deserted? Well, we find the locations by having a, a locations team who are brilliant, who understand the show, they read the scripts and they walk around different boroughs of London asking if we can use their, their locations. And I think the show has a really good reputation in the sense that we, we try to involve the people that are often living in those communities. We respect them. And we're a, we're a location-heavy show, you know, it needs to be real, so we're shooting in real flats, we're shooting in real shops, and I think it shows on the screen. In terms of COVID, it made everything much more complicated. It's a bit like having a second production put into a production. So you have a whole new t COVID team, you're split into bubbles, you're testing, and you're having to be very clever about who's in the background, how far they are, changing costumes, doing makeup, being on a set, being in a small flat, all these things had to be approached in a slightly different way. And our, we had a brilliant co-producer, Tina Porwick, who sort of managed to sort of 
impose this new regime into what we all... I mean, Top Boy is already a chaotic, complicated show to shoot. So if you throw COVID in as well, it's remarkable that we got through it. Ronald, if I can go back to the, the, the heart of the show, you know, it's predicated and based around gang culture. What are the most challenging aspects of writing about gang culture and obviously steering clear of the, the old accusation that you, you could be glamorizing it in any way? My way of thinking of it is that people, the characters like Duchesne, like Jamie, like Sully, like all of them, like Jack, they're not gangsters. They're not gangsters. And this came, from, came to me, this way of looking at it was, they're ordinary people who, who are involved in criminal activity. They, are, they have families. They are brothers. They're, they, you know, they're sisters. They're all the rest of it. So I don't think of them as gangsters. All of them are located in a family. It came to me, um, that way of looking at it came to me after I did an, an, an interview I did with a senior policeman in, in Hackney um, who said to me, uh, this is going back to the first, to the Channel 4 years, he said, we know people buy and sell drugs in Hackney. That doesn't make them bad people. I thought that was... Just that, even that sentence was remarkable coming from a policeman. He was recognizing that the things that people do to survive when they are impoverished, when they are discriminated against, they, he knows that people will do things that other people from more comfortable backgrounds won't do. And that's my way of looking at it. I, I never think of a character as a gangster or, or even a policeman. I think, of, I think of them as a character. I think of them as a real human being. I will often have conversations in my, you know, in my uh, office where I'm working or out on the street. I will literally be talking to them and asking them about their lives as, as if it's an interview. And that way the character grows. And once you feel you've got a character then the label like gangster or whatever, that just becomes irrelevant. You're focused on the character. You're focused on Duchesne as a character, not as a gangster. One of the things I think that's important about this show is it's in and of the community, which is why it's authentic. And as part of that, there's the giving back to the community as well with events like this and the Academy with the last series. You've got the mentorship program as well, Ali. Would you mind explaining what that is, how it works, and how it's been expanded for this new series, please. Uh, yeah, well, Ryan touched upon it. It started in the first Netflix season where we just, we were struggling to find directors of colour to step up. And to be honest with you, it was, from a producerial point of view, it was quite a pragmatic decision. We, just, we didn't want to be in that position again. Uh, it wasn't a kind of box-ticking exercise where we wanted to be seen to do the right thing. We just said, we need to do something. So we just sort of made it up, really, and we scouted around and we, we got a collection of the very talented, diverse filmmakers and then allowed the four directors on that season to pick one each to, be, to follow them and be, and be a mentee on the show. And it delivered brilliantly for us. You know, I mean, it, two of the mentees, director mentees from that, from that series went on to direct on this season. It was a huge success. 
So based on that, really, we decided to expand it. We expanded it out to producers and uh, DOPs. And Abby Leland, our music supervisor, also expanded it out to mu music. And I think what's really important about it is it's a very practical thing that where we want these people to work on the show. We want them to be stepping up. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at a level of people who can realistically be working on this show. So it's not just a sort of long-term thing. It's like, this is an opportunity for you to step up and have a role on the show. And, and, and it's delivered. And that really was its genesis. And that's how it's worked. And it's been, it's been a huge success for us. Actually, you're a producer as well yourself on this show and, and your other projects. Have you seen improvements in the industry in terms of opportunity and diversity and representation? And how much further is there still to go? There's a long way to go. I mean, there needs to be more of this sort of stuff. But it's definitely improving. Um, and I think as well, it has to, the push comes from both sides, you know. The industry has been the way it's been for a long period of time. So, you know, people like myself, like I've had to fight to be accepted as a producer, to be accepted as a director, even when I first started acting, you know, being accepted as an actor. But yeah, I think like definitely we need to create awareness. I guess that's what today is about for me is like, you know, you don't have to be the actor in the show. Like, you, there is, there's so many other parts to this that make this as beautiful as it is. When you watch the show, what you see are the actors, and then maybe hear talk about the directors, you know what I mean, and the writers, but then there's, like, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that without all of that stuff, we would never be able to do what we do. We'd never look as good as we look, do you know what I'm saying? And I want people to know about stuff like that. So I love days like this that kind of highlight every aspect of, of what the business is about. And there's a lot of skills that you guys have probably already got that can work over here with what we do. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes left. If anyone's got any questions for any of the lads, there's this lady here. I know this was quite a while ago, but for all of you, when you were transitioning from Channel 4 to Netflix, what were you feeling on the first day of the shoot with this whole much wider, larger budget um, setting environment? She asked two questions. So. The budget one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that much larger. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, everyone thinks it is uh, and assumes it is, but the scale is much bigger. So I think the, the big difference for us was when we were making a four-part series, it really, like I said earlier, it really did feel a bit like we weren't that experienced about episodic television and we treated it like making a feature film and then we just sort of cut it in four. Sounds basic, but that's kind of what we thought about. With eight or ten parts, and Ronan can speak to this, it's much more about it being episodic, having hooks at the end, at the beginning, pulling the audience back in and thinking about that and expanding the sort of scale of the story. And I think it was about expanding the scale, making it a little bit more global, but keeping our roots in authenticity and the original ideals. And so I think that, that basically answers that. Um, I wanted to ask, as a producer or a director, do you feel like it's your job to break down the negative stereotypes built around black people, black actors? I feel like in a show like this, you can't get too consumed by that. I mean, what has to be at the core is that we're making the show real and it's authentic, do you know what I mean? And then we, there, there is a responsibility, you know, in some part of that to make sure that we are not stereotyping, we're just representing these characters in a well-rounded way. And I think that's the best thing that we can do because I think at that point, 
you guys would see it, you know, if we were coming, we were making the show and it was about like, you know, our aim was to make sure everyone's represented in the right way and this and that, then we would stop. It would stop becoming a drama. It would stop becoming entertaining to you lot. So um, I think that's the tricky thing with, with subject matters like this is like you have to balance the entertainment with, you know, those subliminal messages that you're trying to push through. I mean, you, you do, you have to remember that, you know, this is the entertainment industry. As a writer who, you know, tackles political issues pretty much in everything that I do. But you, you also have to be aware that people aren't going to turn on the television or go into a cinema for a message. They're not. You know, they'll, they'll walk away from that. What we do has to be in the context of something that entertains that makes people you know it produces in audiences you know something that's inspiring something that's terrifying something that's uh, tense all those things while at the same time tackling something that's real um hi thank you very much all of you for coming through and um giving us the knowledge that we like to hear um i wanted to know Going back to before when you guys were saying you went to Hackney and you went down to the areas and filmed there where, you know, the, the, the reality of crime and, every, and everything is taking part there. Those, that's the areas where their people are impacted the most, especially a young black community, young, old, but the majority of the black community. I wanted to know how were the, I'd say, boys, girls, the, the young people who are affected there, how did they contribute to Top Way? Did you guys give them an opportunity to come along and work or have the experience of being behind the scenes and contributing to the project? And if, and if not, then how can Top Boy and like, the power that they have push more young people to come and join and take part and have you know, idols and people they can look up to in the, in the industry? I mean, I think in terms of the locations and going into the different areas where these where people, real people are living in their, their lives, you have to be, it's impossible and you have to be careful about trying to involve them too much because a lot of the community don't want their lives invaded. They want, they want us to be respectful. They don't want us to be making a huge amount of noise. So, what we, so we, on that level, it's, it's difficult. What we can do and what we do do is, is try and make sure we give as many opportunities in the crew and the filmmakers as possible from the community, people give them an opportunity to come in and work on the show. And also, the show is cast. You know, Des Hamilton, our casting director, a huge amount of the cast is based on street casting. And the, and the young actors, and not such young actors, actually, not, uh, they come from the community. And so we give them opportunities in that sense as well. I think the whole show is populated by people that live these lives. And it relies on brilliant actors like Ashley being generous and supporting them. So that's another way we can involve them. So we just do everything we can in terms of the diverse schemes. We've got the mentorships. Yeah, and that's probably about it. I think Des won't mind me saying it because Des is quite vocal with it. So if you follow Des Hamilton casting on Instagram, a lot of stuff goes through his actual social media. He's going to get inundated now, but it is what it is. But he puts posts up all the time, and that's kind of how he works. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't mind me saying that. Hi. 
Um, I find the development stage really interesting, and I know for some um, writers and producers, it can take years to go from like, the idea to actually that realization. For the very first season, how long did that take you, and what did that look like? And with every season, has it gotten quicker? You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uh, it can take a long time uh, from the original conversation that you might have as a writer with a producer or a broadcaster or whatever to production. At the end of this month, a film that I started work on 12 years ago starts production. So it can take a while. With Top Boy, oddly it was... Um, so <laughs> it's kind of comical. I had the idea for it, and a friend of a good friend of mine, also Irish, worked for the BBC. So I called him, and I told him the idea, and he loved it, and he got me in for a meeting at the BBC. Um, I didn't. I just naively assumed that if I wrote what I wrote and it was good, that they would make it. But um, it was a nightmare at the BBC. It, it was such a wrong place to, to, to take Top Boy. In the, in the first Channel 4 season, the, Rennell and his friend, uh, Jem, are in a supermarket. They see a character that they know and she's pregnant. And the two boys, they're like 12 or 14 or something. One of them turns to the other and says, go and talk to her, go and talk to her. She's a MILF. So I wrote that in. And I went into a script meeting with the BBC and they said, no, no, we can't have, we can't have the word MILF <laughs> in, in this show. And as, it, as the, it was the head of drama said this, and I looked at him and I thought, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> like, this is stupid. And eventually they, they passed on it. And I just assumed th that the show was dead. It would never get made. And then my agent called me one day and he said, there are these two um, young producers, as they, were, as they were then, who were hot shots and I should meet them. So I went, we talked, uh, we couldn't, I think we talked about possible film ideas. And then I think I casually mentioned I had this show, Top Boy. And they asked to see it. And once that happened, the process was very fast. Uh, we went to Channel 4, Channel 4 commissioned it, uh, gave a season order, pretty much straight away. Anyway, then the rest is history. But it did, you know, I, I took a wrong, I, I made a terrible decision right at the start and wasted probably a couple of years at the BBC before, you know, then it went into the bottom drawer and then by luck I found, you know, producers who, who thought it was interesting. So it, it can be... You know, it can, it can, it, it's a process, it's, and you never know. I always think of, as a writer, you have to have more than one project in development at any one time. And it's, I always think of them as like horses in the race, in a race. And sometimes I think this particular horse is going to win. It's going to cross the line first and, and get into production. And then something happens and that horse falls way back and then the one that was right at the back comes. Anyway, that's what it's like. You just never know. You just never know. Uh, I want to ask you if, um, to the production team, uh, is there any kind of interesting position for street photography 
inside a big or small film production like this one, or not just like a photography director, but maybe for doing marketing or posters or magazines or something like that? In terms of marketing and, and, and that kind of thing, actually Netflix have a whole team of people and, and they look after that side of things and we let go at that stage. In terms of photography, day to day whilst we're shooting, we do, you, know, you, have a, you have a photographer that takes stills and that's there throughout the shoot or you, you select different days for them and they're there to capture all the characters and the different locations and, and that's the main role of a, of a photographer in our world. So speak to Netflix about that. Thank you very much. It feels only appropriate that we give the last word to the top boy himself. Um, again, no spoilers please Ashley, but why, why should the audience tune in next week when this new series launches? They don't, they don't need me to tell them that. <laughs> They're not that naive. You know what time it is. Yeah, come on, come on. 18th of March, let's go, man. I hope you guys enjoy it because we make it for everyone. It's not just for ourselves, you know what I mean? So enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming along today and thanks for all your brilliant questions. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks, Alistair. Enjoy the rest of the day and, yeah, tune in next week. You are in for a treat. Thank you. Crack audio.